Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Life Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all. And I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now the catch is I can't already their thing. However, I've learned that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why their thing was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. Now for today's episode, we have the host of the Unfiltered Gentleman podcast, Greg Jones. Greg, how's it going? Hey, good. Thanks so much for having me. We we got off to a rocky start. We were discussing football teams, <laughs> and in the sake of positivity, we won't mention names or anything. But... <laughs> Not if you want so this to great. keep going. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We have to stop. Uh, but <laughs> the only time that we've ever had any type of of of, of any type of like semi negative feedback is when we've done sports shows. Specifically, we did a uh, Michigan a Michigan episode, and there were a few people that were not fans of Michigan, and so they they said their their complaints in the nicest way possible. So I think it actually helped with civility but that's the only time but <laughs> that's the only time oh sorry to say, i understand i married someone from northern california i'm from southern california it was part of the checklist as a dodger fan to make sure she was not a giants fan <laughs> oh there you go oh man yeah i don't watch a ton of baseball i mean just being in in the southern half of california obviously i think that automatically makes me a dodgers fan right I, so. I mean immediately so so go dodgers and it's always was my my dad's biggest not shame shame is a strong word he's always thought it was the biggest bummer because he had three sons and none of us liked baseball none of us <laughs> played it we were all terrible at it we all did football basketball football basketball wrestling and like shot put and discus and things he had he had larger sons um and so baseball was just never in the cards and uh he's just like uh just a bummer because like that's what he liked to play and just none of us took an interest in it like he still has when he's, he's a radio guy, always has the radio on to the Dodger game, and sure. just like he always has on the background. And man, yeah, I'm gonna have to maybe maybe take some interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> be a better son. Be a better son. Can you uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your show? Absolutely. Uh, the Unfiltered Gentleman is, man, I almost want to say it's a fun happy hour at your local brewery. We are a craft beer podcast. Uh, we're all about the liquid. Yeah, yeah, the liquid, the lifestyle, anything craft beer yeah. related. Uh, we do beer reviews on every show. We're trying new things. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is beer science. And that could be one of many, many Ooh. things uh, you put on your lab coat. Most recently, we had two collaboration beers from uh, two breweries in our area in Ventura County. They made essentially the same beer, but opposite. So one of them did a, a West Coast version and one of them did an East Coast version with almost exactly the same ingredients so we did a little beer science we compared them back and forth talk about their differences so i love i love getting nerdy but i don't try to get too snobby and we, we try to keep it fun and lighthearted. 
we also talk about booze news and uh, you know drunk people in Florida, the typical drinking experience. <laughs> See, I love that. I think that was the best way to describe it is a happy hour with and and I think in the in these trying times, being able to have that type of like your 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 pub buddies, your drinking buddies is uh is great and uh as as my wife says she says uh imaginary friends the imaginary podcast yes friends. we have tons of those imaginary <laughs> friends. she says it all right i want to launch into your thing because i have a lot i actually have a couple questions about what you just said Absolutely. too but uh, i think it's going to lead into your thing uh but so so greg tell us what is your thing my thing is drum roll home brewing and craft beer. I don't even think I'm going to put the drum roll in now. I'm just going to let you say drum roll. <laughs> I don't even need the sound effect for it anymore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I want to I want to circle back because it's going to lead into it. Okay. When you say beer science, and then we'll launch into sure. more, how is it going to be that it's the same beer, but it tastes different? I don't understand. Like you said, they basically made the same beer. Why did it end up tasting different? Yeah, so uh, the, the simplest of answers is yeast. They use different yeast. So in a West Coast IPA, something that's nice and clear, has a much hoppier, uh, you know, hoppier feel, hop, much more bitter from the hops. What you're going to mm-hmm. get is a, a yeast that drops clear. And you're also going to get those hops added to the boil much earlier. So typically a beer is boiled for an hour. And if you put in your hops at the beginning of that hour, uh, you get more bitterness out of it. And you put in your hops at the end of that hour, you get more aroma and flavor and less bitterness. So a West Coast version will have the hops at the beginning of the boil. will have a yeast that drops clear. And the East Coast version is basically the opposite. It'll have a yeast that stays cloudy. They might throw something in there like some oats or something else that'll help the cloudiness. And then the the hops will mostly go in towards the end and then after the boil even and then even into uh, fermentation, which they call dry hop. So so what did you prefer? Which one which one was your favorite? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All about the journey and not about the destination. Uh, that's that's so great. Okay, that's so perfect. All right, so how did you start your podcast and this whole journey? Like, was it something that you start, wanted to do before you did the podcast, or did the podcast lead into it? You know, it was very natural in a way. We Back in the day, a few of us were doing a sports podcast, and part of our shtick, if you will, was we were always drinking beer, but it's usually pretty crappy beer. And uh, as things started to go, <laughs> co-hosts started to drop off. And then all of a sudden, the beer started getting better. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about the beer during the show. And and at first, it was just, hey, here's the beer of the day that we're drinking. <laughs> and uh, it's great. And let's move on talk sports. And then it evolved into, oh, this is the beer we're drinking. These are the hops that are. And all of a sudden, we started getting nerdy about it. And after uh, one of the co-hosts just couldn't do it anymore, I was kind of left in this position of, well, I could keep this going or we could really talk about what we really like, which is beer. And so at that point, we made the decision to end the sports show and talk about beer and best decision we ever made. Because let me tell you, there is not a lot of sports to talk about in the middle of summer. You got baseball and that's about it. Yeah. I did for the 2018, 2019 season, I did a football podcast with one of my friends. Nice. And uh, we did a recap. We did a recap show uh, every Tuesday. And, but it, it's so funny because he wanted to keep it going. And, and it's like, I, 
we can't, I mean, yeah, we can talk about a few things in the off season. We're gonna have to just end up making stuff up. Yes. Is what yes. ends up happening. We would, we probably, it probably would have turned into a, a craft beer show as well. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, just because. Yeah, just a natural evolution. Yeah, just, just like, oh, well, what else can we talk about? Well, the off season happened. Nothing's really happening yet. It's not the trade deadline. Yeah, how many fake drafts I, you know, can you put What together? are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. The uh, so so when you're gonna go to the store, what is a brand of beer that's fairly readily available that you will drink? Um, obviously, like I know with you, you're probably obviously micros something from a local brewery. But what's something that like you're like, yeah, I can drink this if there's nothing else. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I do my best, especially since the pandemic started. I've started. Right. I've really done my best to not buy beer from the grocery store and buy it directly right. from the breweries, just because I know mm -hmm. they're hurting and it, it, right. money goes directly to them. That being said, you're at the grocery store sometimes and you need to pick up some beer. Um, in California, especially, I mean, Stone is readily available. You're always going to find something from Stone, and they are craft. Mm -hmm. uh, Sierra Nevada is is basically nationwide. You're looking for some craft mm -hmm. beer that you can get at, I mean, the worst of liquor stores. Pick up a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It's a great beer. It's been around for over 30 years, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, so you're a big IPA fan, I, I assume, the Indian Pale Ale. I, I mean, I, I definitely like me some IPAs, yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a lover of all beers. Right, right. See, for me, I actually can't even drink a pale ale. Um, I can't the the hoppiness of it. I end up uh, the way that I the best way to describe it is pine salt. I end up getting such a pine flavor <laughs> from most IPAs, and I know that's uh, that's a very common thing for people to say, but I totally get it. So I, I'm like a I'm a brown I'm a brown ale or wheat ale guy. Um, is usually what I what I go for. We have one. There you go. Yeah, there you go, brother. However, there is, we have a this local brewery here. Yeah, really? Okay, well, we're going to get into that in a second. Yeah. So the Lengthwise Brewery does this thing. It's called Zeus Double IPA, and it's the most popular oh, yeah. thing they make. And anytime that someone comes from out of town, that's where I take them. And if they're IPA fans, they get the Zeus Double IPA, and they flip over it. I can't drink it. Not even a little bit. So... <laughs> But they also make this, uh, they make this a brown ale there. It's called Moose Drool. And it's similar to like a Newcastle, but it's actually slightly sweeter than a Newcastle, but it's very good. Um, but yeah, so, so did, were you a home brewer before you started doing the, the, the podcast part about talking about craft beers or did you start that after? That came after, and here's where it all ties back into sports again. One year, first of all, I swore for years I would never homebrew. Why would I make some <laughs> crappy attempt at beer when so many people are making so much better beer? And then right. one year I won our yeah I won our fantasy football league and I had a you know a few hundred bucks from it and I thought you know what screw it I'm gonna start homebrewing. Well, there and you I go. I went to what was the local homebrew shop at the time and I told him how much money I had and he did his best to take every penny of it and sent me home with some really, really horrible equipment. Uh, had I known more about it, I would have uh, made off much better elsewhere. But anyways, that was, it was a start. And, I, you know, it's always nice to start really uh, on the not so well equipped side because then you know what to do when you get better equipment. Mm. So so if what is like the one piece of equipment that I would need to start? Like what is like like let's, let's take me through the steps like oh let's just go through the whole steps like what what am I gonna need yeah for this 
So the most here, I'll tell you what I what I started off with. So what I started off with was, and, and the typical batch size ends up at about five gallons. Oh really? I started That's off huge. With three. That's massive. Yeah, it'll last you for a while if you're, wow. if you're not drinking too quickly. Okay, yeah. In fact, somebody asked me today, how how long should a five gallon keg last you? I said, depends on my week. Yeah, <laughs> depends on depends on how the so, Niners are doing, right? There you go. Exactly. Oh God! Yeah, it does not last long during football season. Um, so, anyways, yeah, back to the equipment. So, my very first setup was a three-gallon brew kettle that you know you put on the stove, and at the time we had an electric stove, so that took forever. Uh, I had a bucket, literally a plastic bucket. I think it's seven gallons, maybe eight gallons for fermenting, and then a glass carboy. It looks like an arrowhead jug, like a big arrowhead water jug. You'd go, okay. uh, you know, put in your water dispenser, but it's glass. And that's for what they call secondary after your first primary fermenting is done. So um, I would have to, this was so awful. I'd have to get, uh, excuse me, I would have to boil three gallons of beer, get it down to the right numbers and then dump it into this bucket and then add two more gallons of water to get it up to five oh my in order gosh. to get your five gallon batch, which was really hard to hit your numbers because uh, you're then watering it down. So you had to you had to factor that in when you were boiling. Right. It was a pain. And it was really hard to cool down the beer. You know, you want to cool it down after it's done boiling so it doesn't continue to uh, you know, cook, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, cooling it down was awful. I was putting it in the sink with, like, tons of ice and running water. And it, was, it would take, like, three hours to get it down to a, a proper temperature. Get it in that bucket. Uh, once it gets down even lower, pitch that yeast. And luckily at the time, we had two showers where we were living. And we would, I would ferment in one of the showers because one of the showers was awful. We never used it. So we'd ferment in the shower. And thank God, because a couple of times we had some blowouts where we'd come back the next morning and oh, there no. was just beer everywhere. Oh my gosh. But I mean, luckily it was in the shower. So you're good to go. Yeah. You just turn the water on and you're fine. <laughs> so it's a it's a long process. I mean, I, I just just not. I'm not even talking about the fermentation process, just like the actual like the work that goes into it. So so when you're making, I'm I I I I'd like it if you wrote down a list or if you had a YouTube channel or something like that that you would you would recommend to go through. <laughs> but I kind of want to talk about like so like when you're making a beer right now so what are you drinking right now what's your what's your brew you have right now so right now i'm drinking my uh double nut brown i forget my wife named it the uh something latte brown so it's a brown it's probably something you would like actually okay that's great yeah it looks fantastic i'd love it if you took a picture of it that'd be awesome yeah just i mean you don't do it right the second but yeah (laughs) but yeah, so so what goes into so what would go into that as ingredient wise? Like, take me through your process on that to make something like that. Absolutely. So this one, you got your basic. I don't think I use two row, but some sort of malt that kind of makes up most, you know, eighty percent of your malt bill, and then uh, a lot of chocolate malt, which is uh, not actually chocolate. It's just malt that's been cooked at a higher temperature so it Mm -hmm. browns up it gets sort of that bitter coffee chocolate flavor to it um so those are my two main malt ingredients i might throw a couple other things in there for fermentation or for for mouthfeel but those are the main two malt ingredients i'll throw in there um and then lots of water of course and Mm -hmm. then a a packet of yeast this one i think was just and for all the beer nerds out there i think it was just a a safel 05 ale yeast 
Um, yeah, and those are the main ingredients. Hops, very little hops in this one. I think I used about an ounce and a half total. This malt, what what is it, and where would you get it? Can you you can't just get it at a store, right? Or can you? Like, what what is the malt? Uh, no, you can't. Well, unless you wanted to make like bathtub beer, you could probably use some cereal from the grocery store. But <laughs> I get this from it. <laughs> this goes from a local homebrew shop. Uh, you can order it online. There's a lot of great websites out there. Morebeer.com is one of them that I use a lot. But okay. um, yeah, it's just it's the same thing that brewers use at, at you know professional breweries, except uh, I buy it in a lot less bulk. <laughs> right. And so what what is it? Is that just like a like a like a mash of some kind, or is it a powder? What is what what does it come in the form? It it looks like remember Sugar Smacks cereal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of it looks like that. It's it's malted barley. It's just. Uh, it's grain. Oh, so it's been, barley. You know, okay. See, I didn't. In. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I didn't even know what that was. Okay. Yeah. And so then, would you add anything? Because I, I know that one of the the breweries that I like, it's called Mammoth Brewing Company. They do this Hefeweizen that. Oh, aren't, they, aren't they great? Yeah. They're, they're they have such great stuff. I mean, look at look at my glass. Hey, are we? We're separated at birth. Oh my gosh, we're bros. Um, they have this one half <laughs> that, that they that they say that they use banana in. So where would they put that banana in in the process? What would that what would that be? Uh, I I have a feeling that they don't actually put banana in their hefts. So you get that banana flavor and like the okay. clove flavor from the yeast. Uh, it's a Belgian you know hefeweizen yeast, and oh. when it's fermented, especially at some higher temperatures, that's when those banana flavors start to come out. No way. Okay, so so when yeah. they say notes, of, so that's just how you would boil it then so so when you get that so when you get those malts so you you're saying for this when you have the chocolate malt and you said uh, some type of other type of malt so then are you just gonna that's what you're gonna boil in the and their five in the in the five gallon yeah so everything that goes into that boil is water obviously yeah uh, the malt where you're basically making a tea before you even boil I guess I could back up a step. Before you even yeah. boil, you put the malt in the water. You do it at a lower temperature. You're not boiling. This is in the mid hundred, mid one hundreds, like around 150. Okay. Just like a warmish. And you're basically like making it. Yeah. You're basically making a tea out of that. And then once you have your tea where you want it, you pull the malts out. You rinse them off, and then you start your boil. And you're just boiling the, the tea water, what they call wort. Okay. And then when you start your your boil, like with this one, I believe I put hops in right at that 60 minute mark, right at the beginning to get just a little bit of bitterness, just to balance it out. You don't taste the bitterness. It's really just a balancing act. So I put about half in then, and then I think right around 10 minutes left in the boil, I put the rest of my hops in and just a, a hint of flavor. Uh, I mean, you as someone who is very hop sensitive would not taste the hops. My wife is just like you. She loves this beer. You don't taste the hops. They're strictly to balance the flavors out. Okay. Do you have to put hops in, or is that not necessary? Is that a necessary step, or is it like what would happen if you didn't put it in? That's I'm just playing devil's advocate. Absolutely, I've had this discussion before with some brewers. Uh, is it a beer if there's no hops in it? Because the four main ingredients of beer is hops, yeast, malt, and water. Okay. So is it at that point a beer? Which is why a lot of people have such a problem with the uh, hard seltzers being in the beer category. There's no malt or hops in oh. there. So is it a beer? I see. So like hops are, I, I understand. So what would be something else that you would put in in that wort then, that 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 tea? What what else could you put in there to, to change flavors or, or anything? Like I've seen something called like a coffee stout. 
Like, what was that? Where the coffee would go in? Would it go into that wart? Stereotypically, no. Stereotypically, you do it afterwards. Uh, look, there's no rules. You do it whenever you want. But anytime that I've made a coffee stout or a coffee porter, I've I've done it after the fact when it's already into fermentation. Okay, so 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 just basically, when you're making the wort, you're really just putting in the malt and boiling it, and then that's that's kind of, and then you do the hops at the very end, right? That that's pretty much what you're doing. Yeah, it's really just water, malt, and hops. Wow. Your, your three keys right there for the beginning. And then, so then after that is done boiling, then the, what's the next step in that process? So then usually you want to cool it down pretty quickly and get it into uh, your fermentation vessel, okay. which is just a fancy name for a bucket. <laughs> or uh, in my case, I, I have this like fancy little conical cylinder okay. thing. Um, once you get it in there, you get it down to the temperature you want it. Different yeasts like different temperatures. If you want to make a lager, you got to get it down pretty cold. Um, for this one, I got it down to, I think, like 70 degrees. And you throw the yeast in there. You give it a nice little shake because it likes to have air only in the beginning. Um, and just let it do its thing. The yeast eat sugar from the, the wort, from the, the tea, if okay. you will. They eat the sugar and they essentially fart out <laughs> alcohol. Which is really do, do you seal that fermentation uh, vessel or is that left open? Oh, no. Very much sealed unless you're looking for a sour. Ooh, no, I've had a sour and they're they're like they're they're killer. So if you left it open, it would actually like turn sour. You would get all sorts of bacteria. I mean, unless you just had the world's cleanest house, but you'd get all sorts of bacteria and uh, you would either get sour or just all out gross. <laughs> and sometimes sour is what you want. But so it seems like if I got, let's say, like I, I'm just since we're sports guys, those big Gatorade uh uh, buckets, you know, with the with the screw-on seal and everything, would that work or no? You know, it may. You may run into a problem with um, during the fermentation, the the, the beer might kind of have too much pressure built up and might pop the lid or or pop the the seal on the little spigot at the bottom. So you need something with a much tighter seal then. Yeah, it needs needs to be able to hold that pressure. In fact, during fermentation, uh, usually you have something like an airlock um, or a blow-off tube. I use a blow-off tube usually. What it is, it's a, it's a tube that comes out the top, and then I, I run it down into a bucket of sanitizer. And so as the air comes out, it goes down into that bucket of sanitizer before you know being released in the air. And that way, no air goes back up through the, the airlock. Oh, the oh so, so you release the pressure valves at some point. Yeah, I mean, basically throughout the entire process, it's it's wide open to, to let the air out. You don't want to keep it in there. Oh, okay. So you're actually, it's like you're letting it go out down into a liquid you said into the into some type of liquid and then so it's just no air is ever going up but it's ever oh i see so how long do you ferment it for well that's a that's a good one that depends on the beer um and it depends on what you're looking for this one i think i fermented for right around two weeks so it's not it's not super long but it, it's a while yeah you know like a lager will take longer lager could take up to six weeks um if you want to go into secondary like if you want something barrel aged you know, at that point, you, you finish the fermentation and then you move it into a wood barrel or uh, some sort of secondary with like wood chips in it. So and that could sit there for even years if you wanted. Really? It to. OK, so then when it's fermented, what's the next step after that? Like just if you, for the specifically this beer, what was your next step for that? So early on in my in my home brewing experience, I would have bottled it. And when you first start out, you're usually you know put it in a bottle, uh, mix it with a little bit of sugar and then capping it. And what that sugar does, it gives just a little bit of food left for the yeast that's still living, and they eat the sugar, and they carbonate it. Oh, okay. As long as that cap's on there nice and tight. 
uh, the best thing I ever did was get rid of bottling and start kegging because boy, is that just so much easier and quicker uh, and better. So as soon as it's done fermenting, I'll transfer it into the keg and then I will purge the air. So I'll I'll hook up my CO2, let some CO2 in, let some uh, oxygen out, do that a couple of times. Just uh, you don't like oxygen on your beer, especially once it's done. So I'll do that. And then I put it in the fridge, in the in the kegerator, and I leave the CO2 hooked up to it uh, a little high. Usually you serve it around. People are going to uh-huh. yell at me because everyone has different numbers. But you serve it around 8 to 10 PSI. So I'll hook it up for, you know, 25 to 30 PSI for a couple days. Let it sit on that high PSI. And then knock it back down to serving. Let it sit for another couple days. And then usually within a week... Uh, of kegging you should have a drinkable beer so so you don't put more sugar in when you put it into the keg then or do you right not when you're not when you're kegging if you're bottling you put sugar in and then it takes another i mean two to three sometimes four weeks i had one beer i bottled it uh you know sugar and all and after four or five weeks it was flat as could be and so i kind of got angry and just forgot about it and then realized it was still there six months later it was the most carbonated beer I'd ever had. <laughs> All right, so for me, so so you would probably say though, for the people who are um, just going to start off, you probably think just bottling would probably be the easiest because like you're not having to put an investment into like the keg is for someone like you who wants to continue to do it. For bottling is probably the yeah yeah the bottling is the way to go if you've never if you've never never done it before. I've seen it's you know if you already had a kegerator at your house uh-huh. then go ahead and start kegging because it's so much easier but yeah you have to buy a kegerator you have to right. buy all the equipment it'd be a little bit of investment early on. Well, I I've seen online they have these things I, I'm sure you've seen them too. They're like called like Mister Beers or something like that. Something to that effect. <laughs> are do those work? Oh yeah. Or do they work or do they are they just not even worth it? I've never used one myself. I know a few people who have and. It's never been good. It's always tasted like apple juice. Really? What? I mean, I like apple juice, but not beer apple juice. Well, I guess it is just apple cider then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, how much? Well, no, it's it's not meant. It's not even apple cider. It, it's meant to taste like beer. It just it doesn't ferment out all the way. I think what they do is they ship really old yeast oh, packets with those things. Okay, so you're and the fermentation never to and. And so the apple flavor is really like a, a byproduct of bad beer. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, how much sugar would you put it? So would you put it into each bottle would get a little like a spoonful of sugar, but how much is like going to be going into each bottle? There's two ways to do it. One, you can measure out depending on how much beer you made somewhere, you know, around like a, I think it's like a half cup or a cup of sugar mix in with just a, a smidge of boiling water to kill the germs in it. And then you dump that into your entire five gallon batch and then bottle it or they have these little, what look kind of like jelly beans that are just little sugar tabs that you drop into each bottle and as you fill it up. Uh, the advantage to doing it where you measure out the sugar is depending on how much sugar, you'll get different amounts of CO2. So you could actually control the amount of carbonation. Oh, interesting. Oh, I see. So then what is the difference then between you coming out with an, an, an IPA versus if, if everything is just going to be malt, sugar, water, hops? between getting an IPA and getting um, like a brown. What, what is going to be the difference between those two? I mean, visually, the biggest difference will be I, I won't really use any chocolate malts in the IPA. Um, so that's the biggest visual difference. The biggest taste difference, uh, I would say, is the hops, the amount of hops. You know, like I said, in this one, I think it was about an ounce and a half total for the five-gallon batch. I think the last IPA I made was right around 
oh, don't quote me, but eight ounces for the five-gallon batch. So, you know, almost like seven times the amount of hops. Oh, I see. Um, some of those were early edition to get that bitter. Some of those were later. Some of those were dry hopped. So uh, dry hopped is when it's already fermenting and you, and you throw it in. Okay, so you would do... so. When when it's in the fermentation process, then that's kind of where you can get different flavors. Then is that what is that what's going to happen? You'll get uh, you won't get the bittering from the hops at that point. You'll get the the aroma. You'll get the flavor from it. So certain hops have certain um, characteristics mm -hmm. that you might want. This hop might have more of a tropical fruit feel. This one might have a little more uh, dank, piney, uh -huh. anything that you would hate. <laughs> and so, depending on what you're going for. <laughs> If you put it, like, say, if you put it in during fermentary, they call it the dry hop, uh, you'll probably not get so much of the bitter side of it. You're going to get more of the flavor profile of that hop and or, or really a lot of the aroma of that hop, which plays a lot. You know, you don't realize how much smelling a beer affects how much it tastes. Oh, yeah. The smell of a brewery is, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's intoxicating. It's absolutely, it's mesmerizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, how are you going to get, so when, let's say, I, you were going to make a coffee stout. When would you add the coffee then? Where would that part go? So I did one early on. I haven't done one in a long time. I added the coffee, and and I'm sure purists are going to yell at me. I used cold brew coffee extract, and it was fantastic. But I added that, oof, it's been a couple of years. I think once primary fermentation was done. So once most of the yeast had done its thing, it wasn't going to make very much more alcohol. Um, it was just sitting there at this point, kind of clearing up. Things were dropping out of it. Added in that little bit of a cold brew extract and then let it sit for, you know, another week or so before I bottled it. And uh, it, it, I hate to pat myself on the back because I'm usually not that good. A lot of my brews have turned out pretty bad, but this one turned out really good. So there's really, it's just about the, the when you're adding the malt or the hops, what type of hops you're using. And then, so like when you're doing something like a hef, so like when you're using a hef, so that would that the the malt itself would be a different type of malt to make something like a hefeweizen, right? That's that's where you're going to be getting that. Yeah, you'd use wheat in a hef, and very little hop, and the hop you would use would be like a German, uh, like a noble hop, a Hallertau, something that's very light. That, like I said, with this brown is really just providing mm -hmm. some balance. It's not providing any real hot flavor because. In a half, you don't want any hot flavor. You're, you're looking for right. that banana flavor, that kind of weedy mouthfeel, that thicker mouthfeel. Gosh, that makes so much more sense. It's so funny because I guess it's similar when I think about like winemaking, is that like it's just the grape. Like everything else, the process is almost the exact same. And then of course mm -hmm. you're talking about like different like uh, like if you're putting something into a different like cask, like you're doing it like in an oak barrel and things like that, like. Um, I know that they have this one beer at at lengthwise. I use lengthwise just because like it's the one I always uh, usually well I used to go to, and it's uh, they do it's a bourbon barrel aged stout, so it's in an old bourbon barrel. Yeah, and uh, it's good. It's it's strong. It's a strong. It's a strong beer, um, and it's it's real. It's thick it's thicker is what it tastes like gosh that's okay so really what it mm -hmm. comes down to if i was going to make it it'd be it'd be really specific about how i would select the 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 malt that i was going to use and the amount of hops i was going to be putting in that's really where my flavor profiles are going to be coming in from yeah you you definitely want to get those dialed in depending on the style you're brewing and it, thank god <laughs> there's the internet because there are websites like brewer's friend 
and I'm blanking on the other one that's even bigger than that one. But you go in there and you can start adding recipes. I want, you know, this malt and this, you know, this percentage of this malt and this malt and this malt. And these are the hops I want to use. And it'll actually tell you, like, are you true to the style? You can tell what style you're aiming for. Truly, tell you, are you true to style? Nope. All right. Keep tweaking. What is like the biggest no-no that you would say? Like the biggest thing that you felt like has messed you up in the past? Like what are, what are those things to avoid? You know, the, I think the biggest problem that I've had, especially when I make IPAs, is I don't let it sit there long enough. I don't give it a good diacetyl rest. And so basically what happens is, yes, it's finished fermenting. I'm not going to get any more alcohol out of it. The yeast has done its thing. But then you need to let it sit for a couple to few more days to just kind of let things drop out of it. And literally, you'll see things dropping out of the beer if you look at it. And what happens if you don't is you start to get a little bit of that apple taste we talked about. You might get some uh, some warmer alcohol tastes, like you actually taste the booze a little bit. There's just some different off flavors you can get from that. Um, and and it's, it's usually not a, a desired outcome. And, and that's been my biggest problem, especially with IPA. So, so when you're pouring it into your kegs or the bottles, are you scooping it out? Or are you filtering it? Like, what's that process? Because you said, like, there's sediments in there, right? Yeah. Uh, my uh, fermentation vessel, that's like the key word tonight, take a drink every time I say <laughs> it, has a little jar at the bottom that collects, here's a new word, troop or trub, depending on who you are. Uh, it's it's the chunks from the brew day. And so what it'll do, it'll collect it and I can close it off and I can take off that jar, dump it, clean it, put it back or you know put a different one on. And I can keep doing that until it runs clear. And that'll get most of the, the crap, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. They'll get most of the troop out of there. And you'll have a fairly clear beer. You can filter. They have little inline filters. Um, to answer your question, I'm not scooping. I have little, uh, little tubes, little, uh, almost looks like, you know, something you'd use for a fish tank, little mm-hmm. tubes running. And I run that either, you know, into the bottles or uh, now into the keg. And uh, as long as I don't get too much of that, you know, the rest of it, especially in a keg, will settle at the bottom and you'll never get it because it the coldness brings it down. So you put it in the kegerator as it cools down, really starts to drop out even more and stays away from your keg pickup as long as, you know, there's not massive amounts in there. Gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, so I didn't realize how... It's so funny how simple it was, but also like how many different variations go into that simplicity. Like the recipe is, the recipe for all the beer is the same. It's just what are the malts that you're gonna be using, really, and the the different hops. I didn't realize like how many different variations that you're gonna be getting off of that. That's so interesting. Yeah, and to keep it even more simple when you're starting off, uh, most, I'm sure all, homebrew shops have these kits where it's already pre-measured, and here's your IPA kit or your brown ale kit or your red, you know, whatever it is. Here it is. Everything's measured out. Here's your instructions, you know. Uh, do your your uh, mash for this long. Boil it for this long. It's almost always an hour. Mm-hmm. Put your hops in at this point. Uh, cool it down. Put it in your, your bucket or your Mr. Beer or whatever you're doing. Right. And, and pitch your yeast, toss your yeast in there. Um, the, you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. You, you get that Mr. Beer kit and, and uh, have your best crack at it if you'd like. Uh, so what would so when you're buying those those kits, not the Mr. Beer, but like your home your your home brewing from like a local place, what do those usually run? I'm just curious. You know, it really depends. The most expensive single ingredient is usually the hops um, because you know, like I said, like eight ounces of hops will, will run you. 
oh geez i don't even know i haven't looked at the breakdown on my receipts lately but <laughs> uh probably at least 15 bucks or so oh um, okay i was, I was when just, i make a colch i was expecting you to yeah, say like when I make oh a it's colch. like 1500 dollars. i thought that's what you were gonna say that's much better <laughs> 15 bucks is that's fine that's cool yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, my most expensive brew day was $100. Oh, okay. And that's for when you're brewing a five-gallon thing. Yeah. Wow. And, and unfortunately, that was one of the beers that came out really bad. No, that's the worst. Oh, that's the worst when that happens. You probably, your best one is probably the one you spent like, eh, yeah, it's 20 bucks. It, oh, this one's perfect. I put no effort into it whatsoever. <laughs> right. I, I kid you not. My wife's favorite beer is my cheapest beer to make. It's my Kolsch. The ingredients are basically like a bunch of Pilsner malt, a little bit of Vienna malt, and then, jeez, uh, probably less than an ounce total of hops wow. and then yeast. I mean, that thing I can usually make for like 22 bucks total, not including water. Right, yeah. No, I've had Kolsch before. It's I do like that, too. That's What, what do you got now? Oh, he switched. It's a different one now. Oh, sorry. I switched. <laughs> you did. Okay, so, I mean, we have video. This is you a, a nice, beautiful brown. Now it's this, like, this, like, golden orange is what it looked like, almost. What's this one? This is my magic trick. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, so this, yeah, I figured I should drink something local uh -huh. while we were talking. So uh, this is from a local brewery. It's called Casa Agria, or Casa Agria. Uh, people go back and forth on that one. It's from Oxnard, California. This is called Future History. It's a double hazy IPA. And the reason I love this one so much is because it has my favorite hops, uh, which is cashmere. Cashmere is a type of hops, and it is phenomenal. Wow, man. You just lear I'm learning so much about a drink that I really, really like. It... Uh... <laughs> we we've been cutting back on the carbs a lot lately too. So this this is like absolutely making my mouth water uh, right now. So this is great, but it'll be a nice splurge day when uh, to to make. So, so like start to finish, start to finish. What's the time frame that I'll be looking at? Like you're saying weeks. Let's say that let's just say that I wanted to make a, a nice normal hefeweizen, just something like that. Like that's what I want to start off. What's the time frame that I'm probably going to be looking at for that? And assuming you're going to bottle it instead of keg it. Totally. Uh, I could say, okay, yeah, I would say uh, on the on the short side, on the quick side, uh, six weeks total. That'd be on the on the quick side of things. Mm -hmm. It could be, a, you know, six to eight weeks. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an investment. I, I mean, it's totally something that could go um, well for us, though. Gosh, yeah. Six weeks. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of gardening planting trees so i'm i'm used to things taking the long haul so like good things take a long time sometimes <laughs> yeah i have a lot to digest that is that is just that is crazy no okay what blows my mind is just that this i said it before the simplicity of the ingredients i just didn't understand that there were just different variations in those ingredients i thought that people were like i'm throwing in banana peels and I'm throwing in like raspberries and all these different type of things and it's just like no you're just like changing your hops and changing your malt and then boiling them a little longer or less well the big thing right now is yeah I mean the big thing right now is fruited mm -hmm. sours and so a fruited sour does actually have fruit in it but um you know traditional beers half a wisen there's there's no banana in your half a wisen it's just flavors you get Gosh. from the yeast so when does the fruit go into those fruited sours? When what, what part of the process? Here's the uneducated answer. Uh, I've never made a fruited sour. In fact, I've never made a sour. Uh, it's risky making a sour if you have a very small homebrew setup because a sour is essentially infected yeast, whether you meant to or not. 
And so it's hard to get that cleaned out of your system. And so sometimes uh, if you make a sour, your next couple beers might be sour. So unless you had a dedicated vat that was for sours, like you're going to, you're going to be making, yeah. you're going to be making sours whether you want to or not. So what part of the process is the fruit going? Exactly. Is that going to go into the fermentation process or is that going to be in the boiling process? Like where is that going to be? I think people do it all over the place for the most part. I would have to imagine that it goes in during that fermentation process. Uh, and then the people who do, you know, there's a couple different ways to do a sour. <laughs> Here yeah. we go. Let's get nerdy, everybody. Uh, you could do like a kettle sour where you sour it as, in, in the kettle where you've brewed it. You can sour it the old-fashioned way where you just stick it in a wood barrel and then let the natural bugs, for lack uh-huh. of a better term, get in there and make it sour, throw some fruit in there with it. Um but I, you know, generally you, you throw the fruit in during or after fermentation. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm, I, it's just so curious because it, they're one of the ones that we had uh, a while back ago would have been, a, um, a, it was a raspberry wheat ale. So I was just curious if that was, um, and it's really tasty. So, uh, but the raspberry isn't strong. So you're probably saying it's probably yeah. from a fruitier hops then or something more tropical flavored, right? A raspberry wheat ale, I would imagine, is fruited to whether it's real fruit or like a flavoring. I imagine it's fruited to some extent. It's essentially a Hefeweizen with some right. fruit Right, yeah. That's why you like it so much. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a, it's a tasty beer. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm beyond thirsty right now. Um, like I could, I feel like I could drink <laughs> a swimming pool of beer right now. I'm just, I'm that thirsty. <laughs> uh, but this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning. Uh, Greg has given us the, uh, the recipe to become, uh, our own home brewers. And for the response edition of this episode, me and Elise will be spending the week taking as much of Greg's advice as we can fit in. And then we'll report back to you in that response episode. In the meantime, I hope you'll try his advice too, or if you can add more to the conversation with your own expertise, please do so in a, in a positive fashion. Um, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at like2, that's the number two, like2, like things. You can also leave a message on the like line at 661-279-0130, or um, you can email us at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. Now I'll read or play any messages on that episode too if they're positive again. Now, if you'd like to be on the show or you have a friend that wants to share, contact us using the same channels. You can also support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things. So Greg, we find you on social media. Oh, the socials. Find us at the unfiltered gentleman. And if I may, quick plug, when you guys are out at the bar, plug this number into your phone book, 805-538-BEER. We encourage you to drunk dial us. <laughs> See, that's perfect. That's so good. The uh, <laughs> I'll send that to me so I and I'll include it in the show notes uh, for people to to. Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so funny. What a great idea. That's such a good idea. <laughs> we love our drunk voicemails. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. See, I love. A, a show that embraces the the hotline like the hotline number it doesn't always get used but when it does it's always gold and i just i Absolutely. really really appreciate it but uh but greg thank you so much for taking time out of your day this was an absolute blast i kid you not i learned so much tonight like i you really did open my eyes to a lot of different things i really well, appreciate good. it 
Absolutely, anytime. And I'm here for questions if you have nerdy questions as you're trying to homebrew. Right. I mean, you're, when I start, you'll be getting some texts. <laughs> not on the not on the 805 number. It'll be it, it'll it'll be an actual like message. Hello, friend. This is a question <laughs> that I have. <laughs> Not in, not not on the on the on your hotline like hey the Niners they're they're in the toilet and then just be like <laughs> we want those too <laughs> you want those too right oh man but thanks but anyway thank you so much I just thank you this was a great episode I really enjoyed it good thank you <laughs> uh, but I will see you all next week when the mission's accomplished and remember we can make the world a little brighter a little friendlier and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 